0: Welcome to the Cincy Postcast, second episode this week. I am your host, Kevin Wallace, and if you're looking for a breakdown or analysis of the FCC Houston season opener, well, that's earlier in your feed. We dropped that episode on Monday, as again, we are doing two episodes a week here. In this episode, we have an interview with the Pride's creative director about that home opener, TIFO. We also have the return of In the 11 and the 18, plus... Some random MLS and FCC news, and that is going to be your Thursday episode of the Postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that, we've got Grayson, we've got the Chief. Dare I call them the usual crew. This is exciting. This is the second episode in one week. Uh, it's got a lot of people asking us, Grayson, are we human or are we dancer? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. I I had to get a killer's reference in there just Two episodes for the was a Chief. Mistake. God god did not intend this. <laughs> oh my God. No, I'm I'm excited. We're we're here again in the usual spot. Thursday feels new for some reason. We've only only done one Monday episode, and and Thursday already feels did I say Tuesday, I meant Thursday. Thursday feels already like the new place. But um no, Chief, I mean this is exciting because this second episode this week is not the only thing we are doing, is it?
1: Uh no. So you may remember a while ago that I drunkenly purchased a copy of Becky Zimmerman's book about faith, <laughs> family, and the journey of Walker Zimmerman to better know a groundskeeper as he journeyed to become an MLS star ish, I guess. I don't know. If sure. 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 We'll go with star. <laughs> so anyway, I have this book already bought digitally because we were going to start doing some fun stuff with this and, it's on my Kindle, and suddenly a physical copy showed up, and I had a lot of explaining to do with my wife with how much I was drinking. But anyway, um, <laughs> I've decided that in the spirit of our new format, I'm going to be giving away a copy of this book. Uh, in order to win a copy of Becky Zimmerman's book, all you have to do is, this is real easy, is go online to your podcast app of choice, presumably iTunes or Spotify or whoever, leave us a five-star review and uh, review the podcast and and just roast one of us for a terrible take we've had at some point during the course of uh, listening to the postcast. It could be me for repeatedly doubting whether or not Brenner was actually a starting caliber (laughs) player in MLS. It could be Kevin for being an avowed communist in 2023. It could Who's be gracing <laughs> for his ter- terrible takes about Chernobyl. We've seen that all over the internet. Why not add that to the reviews right here? Whatever. It could be
2: it is, chief if- from being so hungover. He complimented the refs in the last
1: episode. <laughs> you know, I stand by my take. That was actually one of the better refing performances we've had. And um, you just you don't, you never have to say it. The propaganda <laughs> on this
0: podcast. Right.
1: <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, the worst take, the stupidest take, the best take roast us for it leave us a five-star review and then this is important you got to screenshot it and either tag us on twitter or post it in the D- discord one of the others so that i know who to give uh to send the book to and then it will be sent to you via ordinary u.s mail and then you too can experience the joy of receiving a copy of becky zimmerman's book uh journaling the life of walker zimmerman you can have your own copy of play on a soccer story inspired by Walter Zimmerman.
2: You get the, you get the joy of having the book and explaining the book to your loved ones.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, anyways, in the 11 out of the 18, look, people, I heard from multiple people that they were sad that it was going away. And now I disappoint the rest of the listeners by saying it's back. Uh, we we didn't want to get rid of it. So I, I feel like, uh, Chief, you should start us off the first
1: mid season in the 11 out of the 18. Uh, in the 11 is pitch clocks this is my favorite story going right now, because I am capable of watching more than one sport and it's baseball spring training. And usually um, you get excited around here. Not so much. Like the only thing that's exciting about the Cincinnati reds was the incredible quote Joey Votto had where he was asked to make a bold prediction about the NL central this year. And his quote was my bold prediction is that the Reds start off 12 and two and then aliens invade the season is disrupted <laughs> for eight months, resuming in late October. And since the Reds were in first place, they then qualify for the playoffs and win the World Series. <laughs> it, predicting an alien invasion, always a bold move. I love it. But no, if you haven't, have you guys seen this? That um, Yes. Baseball, it this is going
0: to be in my 11 as well, by the way. <laughs>
1: baseball has started implementing pitch clocks and they have them in like comically large electronic clocks that are in the background of the battery yeah. and umpires are starting to call balls on pitchers that take too long to throw a pitch or strikes on the batters that delay too much and there was a game the other day that ended on a walk-off strikeout because the batter didn't get in the box fast enough and they just rung them up on a called strike three and ended the ball game i love this This is the kind of chaotic energy baseball needs more of that. It's used to, you know, people standing around, adjusting their jock, adjusting their batting gloves, wandering around, you know, putting in another thing at Shaw takes an hour for an at bat. No, this is great. Now people are going to be hurrying. There's going to be a sense of, of an air of anxiety over each pitch. Will it get off in time? Will the batter get into the box? this is great. I love everything about this. And I especially love how, apoplectic baseball traditionalists are about this not that i disagree (laughs) that i loved baseball the way it was before but it's so much more fun when people are mad about a sport when everyone is mad about something different i love it there should be pitch clocks pitch clocks there should be pitch clocks in like other areas of life like they should should put them
2: put them in front of like urinals yeah you know like like once you get there it starts going so you can you stare like how long you're standing there there if your wife is taking a a long time to get ready you got a pitch clock in the mirror.
0: I I love it. I was going to put it in my 11 as well. Uh but for a slightly different reason. Um just that I think this will finally kill off baseball and as a fan of <laughs> soccer, I think it's I think it's high time. It just it just Ups and uh, offs itself here because uh, yeah, this is antithetical to baseball to me. Baseball is a different vibe. It's a it's a pastoral sport. It's a sport with history. It's a sport that is you know something that you walk back in time every time you walk into the stadium. If if it's pitch clocks and if the goal is to speed up games. I don't know why you stop at pitch clocks. I would do seven inning games. I would do two strike strikeouts, three, three balls walks. I would have a ghost runner for every at bat. Like, why not? Like, if you want a fast speed ball version of baseball, what is why are you half ass in it? Let's speed it up.
2: You know, baseball, the thing about baseball, though, that I'll, that you can't take away from it is it it really is America's pastime, because basically since. It started professionally. People have been complaining about there being too many immigrants in it. <laughs> Cause you like, read books about baseball in like the 1860s and they're like, people hate and Then it was, it, there were too many Germans and, and, Irish, and then later it's like, they're all Italians. We, what happened to all the good old American baseball?
0: <laughs> oh
1: my God. Uh, Chief, what is out of the 18 then? Out of the 18 this week are birds. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. It was a recent story on uh, in Gizmodo. Researchers are turning taxidermied birds into drones. Oh, so, no. So apparently uh, Boston Dynamics, which um, you may or may not have known as a, the people trying to make cyber9 systems real, have combined with New Mexico tech in order to stuff taxidermied birds with drones so that <laughs> birds, uh, drones can look more like natural features of the environment when they are flying and doing whatever it is that the drone needs to do no (laughs) no No, you no.
0: i'm out i'm out on
1: this (laughs) the use of feathers also gives the birds incredible stealth capabilities often allow them to get airborne without making a sound it's um because it mutes the sound of the propeller um it's a okay, good so it's still two. propellered. This- they're yeah.
0: not they're not flapping. No, they're not
1: flapping. It's just like they basically you take a bird <laughs> and you 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 put it over a drone so that when you see the drone flying overhead, it looks like a bird. <laughs> oh <God>. and what <laughs> oh I love most God. about what I love most about <laughs> this is that. There's been a guy out there that's been sounding the alarm on this for years. Birds aren't the, real. The birds aren't real guy. This like... feels like a limited
2: hangout for birds aren't real. Oh <laughs> no! It's like he actually got it right. And they're like, right. well, no. we'll say they're only drones sometimes. Right.
1: <laughs> right. If it flies, it spies. This guy's been on this take for years and he claimed it was a goof. They interviewed him on 60 Minutes and they tried to get him to break kayfabe on this and he wouldn't. And it turns out if you just keep the joke going long enough, eventually everything becomes real so the next time you look up and you see a bird hovering in the sky at a high rate just know it might be the government spying on you that's not your imagination that's not paranoia that could be real right now (laughs) how great
2: (laughs) the next the next time you see a college sophomore who has seen the television show the fosters four times and she's wearing a birds aren't real show shirt uh because (laughs) she thinks it makes her quirky
1: Realize she
2: is more woke than you are.
1: So there there are some ways that you can recognize if the bird upstairs uh, or flying overhead is actually a real bird versus a fake bird. Okay. The this... fake birds uh, use their muscles to bend and contort the shape of their wings to perform amazing aerial maneuvers, while these drones simply flap their stiff wings up and down to stay in the air. So there's, there's some action to make them look real. But um, wow, they do flap. <laughs>
0: this is well, the good news is this is finally a way for the post to be able to take photos inside of TQL Stadium. Yeah. So that'll be nice. We can just fly a bird drone in and nobody will
1: know. <laughs> See, you people ask for more of this content, and I'm here to deliver. There's no soccer takes whatsoever coming in this podcast. That was, that was incredible. Uh,
0: Grayson, dare I ask you to follow that up? Man, I cannot. <laughs> um, so,
1: yeah, Grayson noped out on that one real quick. It's like, nope, 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 not to deal with that at all. <laughs> so in my, in my 11 is, uh, so
2: I went to the uh, Taft Museum on Sunday. Okay. And it's free on Sundays. I recommend everybody go. They have a very fun uh, temporary exhibit of African-American art. Uh, It's got, it's very, you know, wide ranging. It's got some cool stuff. Probably you haven't seen it before, seen stuff like it before, um, just because it's a lot of kind of newer and smaller, lesser known artists, at least to people like me who are not real, like, you know, keyed into the art world, you know? Sure. Um, But we also went to the Taft House, which is kind of the permanent exhibit where they got a lot of those older paintings, some of the classic paintings. Yeah. And they're doing something now that I, I don't know when they put this in, but it's very interesting. Um, a lot of the art has a the, uh, more to the story. They put a second card. So there's like the first card that says this is the artist's name. This is where they're from. This was the year. And they'll tell you like maybe a little bit about the artist's life or a little bit about the composition. For a lot of the paintings, they put a second card that's like more to the story. Okay. right all right and here's the here's the more to the story for this uh rembrandt painting i didn't take down the the name of the painting but there's only like one rembrandt painting in the in the museum and it's of you a can,
1: you can really tell who's the smarter of the two of us in <laughs> just this first segment of the show <laughs> it's a,
2: there's like a guy um in like a all-black outfit getting up from a chair is the painting okay. um the more to the story was The black clothing he's wearing was made with very expensive black dye made from logwood trees that were imported from Central America. The trees were harvested by enslaved individuals and that particular dye was an incredibly expensive commodity, so only a very wealthy and prosperous person could be wearing the kind of clothes the man is wearing in in his portrait. And it's all like, there'll be like a picture, there's like another painting of like this noble, this noble child. This child grew up to run his family slave plant- plantation <laughs> in South America. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> or like another kid was like a baby in a picture who became a member of parliament who uh, didn't believe in educating the poor. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's... It's a bold take. It's, it's just so... It was like so... It's just like so <laughs> interesting because I always think of... I think about all the time about like how... There's always just been kind of this uncomfortable relationship between like wealth and, like, the the like wealthy class and, like, the creative and artistic class because the wealthy class basically funds, like, they've always yeah, funded the art. System, like, like yes. there's a Goya at the museum, and Goya was, like, the court painter for the Spanish royal family, you know, even while he hated them and was, like, trying to, like, put stuff into his paintings that, right um, that, like, kind of made fun of them a little bit and i think it it really like brings you into the process right because you're like you walk up and you're like oh this is a really nice painting of this little of this little english child and it's like oh that child goes up to be a monster <laughs> I like,
0: i made a joke about this earlier on the uh, the Discord, but this really does feel like they've canceled a baby in this case. I mean, the baby
1: grew up to be like a, a Dickinson villain where he's running right. six fa- factories in the UK during the Industrial Revolution and beating child laborers in order to get them to work faster. It's like, we probably should cancel that baby. It's okay.
0: A very canceled like baby.
1: Or like that scene in Deadpool 2 where he goes back in time and all of a sudden he's in the hospital. Hospital and baby Hitler is right there. and He's like right. working up the courage to kill the baby. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't do it at the end of the day. <laughs>
0: oh Jesus. Oh God. Uh and Grayson, what did you uh what did you
2: put out of the 18 then? Um so out of my eighteen is I think I think I think movies are too quippy and too and too meta. And I've I've had this opinion for a while i mean like that's fine you have a comedy or you have like a satirical film it's gonna have some jokes but what i what i think they do too often is they'll take like serious moments or action moments or whatever and they won't just let them hang yeah they'll deflate them with some like so that happened
0: right you know (laughs) type of thing
2: and uh or somebody will walk in and be like awkward (laughs) Like it just, it, it, I find it like grating, yes. and it's like too prevalent. And I watched um, uh, the new M Night Shyamalan movie last night. Uh, Knock at the cabin. Well, I've identified yeah. your first problem, but continue. And it's, so, so I was actually I actually kind of liked it. Like it's not like the best movie ever, but yeah, um, it's not quippy at all, right? It takes it takes its premise seriously. The it's like a small movie. It's under ninety minutes big thumbs up for that yep. and you know it's, the actors just get to like play everything straight you know it takes this in like it's not like it's 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 kind of like table topics the movie the premise a little bit or like right, the, kevin's right. questions the movie a little bit but <laughs> yes um and then and then uh Shyamalan's like dialogue I, i've always felt is like very like unnatural uh the way he writes dialogue but like Whatever,
1: I mean, I'll take it over over people just trying I when to you, I trying when to. You were starting this off, you were about to say, I just saw Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania because that oh movie God. was the quip off to end all quip offs, and I <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. But I, I, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow. A, I need to be a lot higher to enjoy this movie, and, and also, B, I, I, you can see the Marvel formula in terms of the writing style is starting to get a little bit. We're we're, we're a little bit there yeah man.
2: i i'm i'm a bit i'm a bit um tired of it so i'm
1: not gonna go see uh man and the wasp quantum mania it, it does have one i don't know if it's well known that this person is in the movie it has an absolutely incredible bit role that like i audibly gasped at so when the person came on screen
2: If it if it's bill murray i think he's in the trailer
1: Oh, he is because I had no idea yeah. he was showing up, and I was like, "Oh my god, what a get for what is objectively a really, really stupid CGI movie." Right?
0: No, Grayson, I I completely agree with the the quippiness of modern media. Is where it is. It's it's really lazy. Like it worked for a little bit, but it's just super lazy. And what kills me is, it has like ruined comedies like it's very difficult to get like a proper funny movie where the premises are funny and the jokes are well written it's everything is this sarcastic tongue in cheek we all know we're in this silly movie type style that only works when it's the exception when they're all like that it, it falls flat this is I, I, I mean, think I've also... even mentioned this before it's it's the reason why Ryan Reynolds performance is identical in every movie it's exactly that it but could also, also be projection
2: it, on my part because like i know from experience that you crack jokes when you're like you crack jokes in like serious moments and emotional situations sure or moments of vulnerability because you're uncomfortable with your own emotions right sure. and you just don't want to feel vulnerable in that in that second but like i like movies that are i like movies that are confident right like
1: like like at least pretend like you think you're worthy of my attention it's also an old act i mean everyone's kind of chasing it's it's um mel brooks was doing this with like blazing saddles that was the whole that was the whole gimmick of blazing saddles other than the the virulent racism that you couldn't get away with today but that yeah it is everybody involved knows their like the main characters at least um uh Cleveland Little and um Gene Wilder especially yeah. they both know they're in a movie and they react like they're in a movie and in fact the movie ends with them getting in a car and driving <laughs> off into the sunset but yes. that's how old this trope is of this we quip for the camera we acknowledge that this is silly with what we're doing it's not even original to like modern movies it's been going on forever
0: <laughs> yeah no Oh, completely agree. Uh, so I'll wrap us up here in the 11, and of the 18. Well, Chief stole mine. So just to just to take this bullet point off the list, I'll say in the 11, Apple TVs MLS coverage. I'll I'll be that guy to bring soccer into this. It is no. really really good and. The league, based on exactly one weekend's worth of evidence, the league made a brilliant play. I think right before this, all of the regional cable networks have all declared bankruptcy or in the process of doing so. The Pac-12 can't get a a TV deal uh, to save their life on any of these other platforms. And MLS just looks brilliant, locking up a massive money partner that's going to treat them seriously for the next decade. So... It was well done, Don Garber. This was this is well executed.
1: It's good. I watched the so I watched the entirety of the Portland Sporting KC game that was on yeah. Monday that got moved due to weather, which yeah. A, my big takeaway from that is there should be a Monday night game in MLS. I understand they're trying to consolidate the days where inventory is available, but right. Monday night football, it works, it plays in this setting too. Um, I thought the broadcast quality was unbelievable. Um, the games just look better. I think yeah. the graphics are cleaner. I think having the announced teams on site is, is. I'm glad they're doing that. And the audio work in these games as well. Like when, when FC yeah. Cincinnati scored and I watched that back, the crowd environment, it, you really do feel that coming through watching on TV when that's been kind of inconsistently portrayed thus far. My mm-hmm. only problem with Apple TV and it's, I was hoping Apple would fix this, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, is that Apple TV needs to do something Monday through Friday because this league goes away as soon as matches aren't being played. And there needs to be something like a nightly one-hour show that's like a league whip around news. There's enough things going on in the league that you can make a one-hour show espn does this for the nfl the uh espn did this for baseball with baseball tonight nba has the jump that's on every day there needs to be an everyday show and everyday content dropping because otherwise it's like i think we were commenting on it in the discord or i was at least that <laughs> it feels like the league goes away when the game isn't being played there needs to be something that they do with that i think
0: yeah, I I think there's a couple of different ways they could do that. A hour long recap show, uh, hour long preview show. You could do those on Mondays and Fridays and then spend, you know, Tuesday, the Eastern Conference, Wednesday, the Western Conference, and Thursday, you know, I don't know, have a couple of interviews lined up with different coaches and players and things like that. And yeah, you could have at least an hour's worth of like, national quote unquote, MLS content, each day of the week, in addition to whatever the clubs are putting out. It's my understanding that they are trying to get to that point, but they just haven't done it yet. Um. And then out of the 18, for me, I uh, similar note, the collapse of college football, as we know it, with the Pac-12 unable to get a TV deal, Florida State openly like come at me bro to everybody's lawyers about their grant of rights <laughs> uh if we are we are watching the collapse of a sport in real time and unless you're in the big 10 or the sec you are going to be on a dinky little life ref that nobody will care about uh i think it's fascinating
1: i say so. this also as a xavier basketball fan like firmly aware that there's also flirtations with yukon going to the acc and There was talk also about the Big 12 trying to poach Gonzaga and Villanova Mm -hmm. for basketball only. I hate all this. Just let's speed run this to the end and just have the SEC and the Big Ten each have 30 teams in four different conferences, and then they meet in the Super Bowl where the Big Ten winner plays the SEC winner. That's where this is all heading. Let's just get there, and everybody else can stop this sort of reckless freight t- train where like if uc is going to be on the outs just let them know now so they can stop dumping money into a dead-end program that's going nowhere yeah. but like they're going to get in the big 12 they're going to spend money to be in the big 12 and then the big 12 is going to be left on the outside looking in in 15 years and they'll still be paying the mortgage for every upgrade they've done so just fu- wherever we're fucking going let's go there and let's yeah. just let's do it now
0: I I had that opinion and it was incredibly unpopular. I imagine it's even more unpopular now. But when the uh, the Big 12 and the ACC didn't come calling, uh UC should have just given up and gone to the MAC and just like embrace the regional rivalry and be the big fish in a little pond and just stop chasing the uh the dragon so to speak with the uh with these bigger conferences. So there you go. I will say
1: this though related to college football real quickly. If there's one thing Apple TV should steal shamelessly is that on Saturdays, there should be a college game day type show in the morning on Apple TV that is live at whatever the biggest matchup is of the day set up, have like the whole revelry come up. almost like the Premier League morning shit that NBC does. And so on hell is real day that they're set up in Washington Park and they have MLS game day is there live and do the entire thing live.
0: It'd be so easy. Start doing it at noon. You just have seven hours. So you can do the live look-ins with the other commentating crews around the country. Yes, yes, yes. I I hope they do that. That would be so much fun. Someone, I would tune
1: into that. Someone clip this and send it to Don Garber and, and <laughs> tell them to hire us for content on Apple TV.
0: Oh, We God. will well, not hey.
1: advocate for pro-rel. We will if not know. Yeah. If you no. put us on Apple, we will not advocate for Pro Row. <laughs> I have said this before. And we'll kill I will Kevin. shamelessly sell out <laughs> for anything the league wants me to say. It's like the scene in Ghostbusters with Winston, where he's like, if there's a steady paycheck involved, I'll believe anything you want me to believe. Don, I will believe anything you want me to believe if you can sign everyone on this podcast to a six figure deal to I will this. spend every day of my life praising
2: Christian Roldan. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I'll, I'll, always I'll said. wear Jordan. Jordan Morris will become my favorite player. MLS legend. I'll show <laughs> man. He chose this league over going to Europe. That, that was his choice and not, you know, made for him by his talent level. That Because wasn't
2: he cared that. more about growing soccer in the United States than he cared Yes. about about seeing himself in the flashing lights
1: it was the
0: john hark's so eric winaldo move yes i will make
1: so many burners going over after rocco camiso or camiso <laughs> whatever his name is i will do that i will do that if the, the money is right we'll create I so love... many burners that the pro rel people will think we're annoying right
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be difficult uh i always loved that rocco had a uh a stadium at columbia named after him and the cosmos could never find a place to play <laughs> i really enjoyed that <laughs> oh well speaking of uh getting paid uh Andrew Springsteen joined us. Uh, If you are not familiar with Andrew Springsteen, you are definitely familiar with his work. He is the current creative director for The Pride, one of the supporters groups around FC Cincinnati. He is very influential, especially when it comes to the TIFO and TIFO designs. He helps coordinate a lot of that effort with the other SGs and had a very large role in uh, designing the home opener TIFO. So it was a really interesting, interesting conversation with him getting to know his background and how he came into this so I think you're really going to enjoy this Uh, and when we come back we got a couple of uh, grab bag topics here and then we will let you get back on with your day so uh, check out this interview and like we said joining us for this special Thursday. I want to say special because, again, it's like the first time we're doing this. But, like, on this episode, we've got Andrew Springsteen, the creative director of The Pride, here to talk about all things TIFO. Andrew, how are
1: you doing tonight?
3: Um, I'm doing great, thank you. How are you?
0: What? I'm doing great as well. Thanks for asking. Is that, the,
1: is that the first time a guest has actually asked you back whether or not you're doing okay? That's kind of nice. I like
3: that. It
0: feels like it. Yes.
3: Uh, my mama raised me right.
0: <laughs> well. Andrew I am I'm glad you're here because uh like many FCC fans we were at the game or maybe you're watching at home on on Apple TV uh, but we saw the lovely lovely tifo that went up before the game and it is my understanding that you had quite a role to play in getting this thing designed painted executed um could you talk a little bit about I guess what your role is with the pride and specifically as it's related to the tifo process there
3: yeah i can do that um <laughs> i guess uh, <laughs> uh i guess to start with the the first one with the i'm currently the uh creative director with the pride which is i, I guess a creative director ish um <laughs> so mostly just <laughs> overseeing uh, uh kind of what our what our objectives are, what uh, that looks like in terms of um, um, how exactly we're going to accomplish those objectives, um, whether it be um, scarves or um, different graphics that we need in, in this case, uh, TIFO (coughs) ideas, and then trying to figure out uh, who has bandwidth to, to do what and uh, helping to distribute the workload and, uh, that's largely it. Uh, I think, I'd, yeah. And then, it the, feels uh, like a big role. So yeah, right? I, I, yeah. yeah I mean, oh, that if, all? If, you know, if you know what a creative director does and sort of that, but less work, less I paid. think, yeah, less, <laughs> a lot, a little bit less money. Um, it, it's, it, I only get paid like 40,000 a year. Um, uh, we trying to get that raise bumped up, but I think that's also the, what uh, Don
2: Draper made one year. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to get a raise, but uh, the, the pride's kind of cheap, and uh, they don't want to pay me the extra $15,000 i am requesting. You should talk uh, to their I mean, leadership I, about that. I, I've heard that they're really not receptive to anything, so I, I'm, I'm not going to talk
4: to them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, no. Um, yes, it is all unpaid, as we all are. Um, I guess it keeps us honest. Yeah. At least some of us. Yeah, um, something like that. Just kidding. <laughs>
0: So then with the Tifo process specifically, how does that work? Is the, the pride isn't ex- executing these Tifos by themselves. How does that work with the the broader
3: group there? Uh the process is normally that everybody kinda gets together in some way, shape, or form and they talk and <laughs> then <laughs> and they talk um, and then they talk <laughs> a little bit more, more. <laughs> <laughs> but uh normally it just starts out people just kind of brainstorming slash picking brain seeing if anybody has anything specific that they want to uh do and if they do then uh people just kind of develop the ideas that are there and try to uh as they develop see if something feels more uh right i guess uh so for the past i don't know how many years the uh, home opener has to do with cincinnati uh, normally uh, mm-hmm. not just like the players here but the history of cincinnati in some way shape or form so uh, i know we did the charlie harper one who was uh, an important artist in cincinnati history this year was the old tom wesselman and also uh important cincinnati artist i'm trying to th- think of the other ones at this point but i'm drawing blanks um so that that makes things a little easier Uh, i think we have a list now of other people and uh things about since that we'd like to hit at some point which kind of makes things a little easier going forward but um if it's not that then yeah just developing the ideas uh, and uh kind of feeling people out uh seeing if something feels more appropriate to whether whether something's going on with a certain fan base or um just with where the team's at and then from there things have to be make sure everything's uh digitized in a way that we can process with our current means and methods for making the TFOs. and then seeing if it makes more sense to do it whether it be on like on the net or uh, back behind or uh, both as we did for uh hell is real a couple of years ago and then from there, it's just a matter of uh, figuring out when people have time to do it and then trying to get as many people in a room as possible to get it painted after we get it traced out. And uh, um, and then it shows up.
1: <laughs> so I'm always fascinated by this process, and I don't think many people out there listening might know this, but the when people show up to paint a TIFO, when they do, it's all traced out. You just have to paint by numbers, fill the lines in what's the process like by actually getting the image of the tifo traced onto fabric that can be 30 40 sometimes 50 feet wide how do you how do you get the the lines down for everyone to paint
3: well, first, I need to correct you because I don't want any misinformation on this podcast. Um, it's actually paint by letters. Um,
1: <laughs> ah, sorry. My bad. My but... bad. Hand up. Hand up. That's on me.
3: Yeah.
0: An official correction will be issued I, shortly.
3: That, that's, I guess what you expect from a swine. But um, so uh, we've had a few different setups uh, based on the space that we've been able to uh, use um, we've had some gracious hosts in the past, uh, whether it be the club or, um, yeah. What is that place on the West side? Uh, like G- Ginga, Ging-Ginga, ginger, ginger, yeah. ginger, know. um, that Ginga futsal,
0: soccer, pokes. I think yeah, it's a futsal yeah. court. Yeah.
3: Yeah. They, they were very gracious for, uh, a, a few years, uh, letting us use their space to, get, get things, uh, traced out. But so depending on the space, <clears throat> um, you just get the fabric sewed together which uh is normally well, at least in the in the case of it being on the net so far we've normally done things like two or three uh bolts of fabric wide um so that has to get sewn together first which is a um undertaking in of itself yeah because like that's a lot of sewing fabric like sewing fabric together with a, like a home sewing machine that you might have at your house that's what we use uh as far as i'm aware um uh, there it, you know someone might Just be a masochist and uh, be doing it all by (laughs) hand. I'm guessing that's not the case because that would take a lot longer than uh, than the turnaround (laughs) has been. So um, yeah, just not like a big
2: giant Tifo sewing machine that somebody has in a ware sitting in a warehouse somewhere. No, but someone.
3: if someone has one i would gladly accept a donation um so if, if you have a spare i don't know how expensive something like that would be but you know, let's say starting at the $80,000 if you have $80,000 to throw at a well, if we cut your salary it, that's
2: we're halfway there
0: uh yeah no i need that raise i need that raise um if i remember correctly 2 years it's man 2 years Portland. salary or seattle i think it's portland uh they have a sail manufacturer like for sailboats and they use their space and their sewing equipment which might explain yeah. why their tifas are very nice
3: well we're true supporters <laughs> um we don't we don't have this stuff manufactured for us um, <laughs>
2: um do you ever think about doing that, that, that? ever think about just calling up uh, kinko's
3: well, uh, I think uh, the climate of Southern Ohio is, is slightly different than uh, – I, I, don't, I don't think we can get in the proper headspace for, for that kind. I, I think you have to go uh, like four hours south in order to, to really be able to, to get in that mindset. Um.
1: So you sew all the fabric together. And oh, yeah. Sorry. What, what, what goes on to get the lines down then from that point? Is it is, – I just see big bolts of fabric, but like how do you trace all
3: that by – do you do that by hand? yep well (laughs) a a few hands but yes uh yeah so in the in the in uh when we're in a larger space we're able to tape everything up to a a wall and just project the image from you know fifty feet or so back and we really uh, get a lot of the time that way uh but then uh we, we got moved to a, another space and got a little more difficult because we were having to project on a fabric that was like a foot out from a wall so you're kind of having to uh guesstimate where the fabric is going to move while you're tracing and uh, so I try to keep the fabric as still as possible while it's moving but yeah then <clears throat> It has to get, uh, you gotta turn the file into something that is easier to see so that you can make sure all the lines are getting, uh, so you're not like mixing colors up and stuff and you're getting hard lines where they need to be. And then from there, um, after a lot of hours of uh, moving things like five feet at a time.
4: Mm.
3: And then, so yeah, in this case, you know, you're doing half of the half of the vertical tifo at a time and then moving five feet um so i think we we're, we're get, we got to a point where we're moving five feet every like 20 to 30 minutes but um <laughs> it, it made for a long night five <laughs> oh <my laughs> feet every 30 minutes yeah um so it was what 40 45 feet tall so nine times two 18 times 20 to 30 so i don't know what that is it's a lot um, of minutes yeah, none of us do either we're not going that. um, it's
0: a long
1: time yeah, we do math, which is probably explains why none of us make any money doing this podcast so well
3: I, I i can use a calculator but um you know uh yeah so that was a late night uh and then from there you got to unroll the thing and then um see if there are any areas that because the fabric's moving moving and because you're not moving the fabric exactly the same amount every time to see if anything's like warped at all. Uh, And then after everything's fixed up, then get out a light colored Sharpie and uh, mark all of the areas with their respective colors. And then it's a time to break out the paint. And that's all
1: done before anyone sets foot in the Tifo painting space to actually start painting the Tifo. All this work has to be done ahead of time
3: yep well hold on so let me let me let me get out the calculator i guess
1: <laughs> we're doing math um, here this is this it, is
3: dangerous it, um 18 times we'll just say 25 to be safe so, so that is see, that was that was yeah that was right around seven and a half eight hours just of tracing not of like setting it up to wow. trace and then i don't know how much time sewing and then designing was probably about week was about 40 hours after the 40-hour work week and um and then uh probably another like 60 or so just doing research and sketching and all that so that's hours.
0: insane that is actually insane <laughs>
1: especially considering how long
0: it's displayed for (laughs) that's that's the piece i wanted to know about you put so much effort into these and they get displayed for whatever it is this time they did i guess through the entire player announcements which was nice that looked like a a new change i don't know if we've done that before um do you do you feel like people have time to appreciate it are you okay with that amount of time i'm i'm curious what the feeling is from your perspective on how long the tifo is displayed
3: well uh as someone who's born in the 90s um the internet points matter so um <laughs> <laughs> any yeah no i mean i i, I think it, i don't know there, there's kind of that weird i guess it's ethics of uh yeah and you're, you're making this stuff using all this material and like is it worth it you know i, I don't know uh I, I think it'd be great if we could find another way of uh re using this stuff in a way that you know keeps the images that we make uh in some way i don't know what that looks like but and not just us like you have other teams across the league that have done some really good stuff um I think we're the only one in, in our, our state that's making good stuff, but
1: um, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I don't even, I don't even but, think it's a hot take. Like, um, wow. Well, the I Dayton
0: mean, Dutch I, I, Lions supporters are very offended. They make the solid Col- player banners.
1: The good news for Columbus though, is I think there's like 250 books in the goosebumps series. So I think they've got, there's a lot of, there's a lot of source material for them to draw. I
3: thought on. it was like 60 like something. I might be wrong. Oh, no. I don't know. It's not like lot. there was a shitload of goosebumps books. Like all the time.
1: At what point did he yeah. stop writing those? That's always how it happens, right? It's he, like you, you license it
2: out and they hire a team of, of ghostwriters. He's yeah.
0: gotten a lot of grief oh. for this over the years that he had uh, graduate assistants write and he just slapped his name on it. He it gets very angry when this is brought up. He refuses to uh, to accept anything that is not him. So I you know go. which titles, titles blew it my works. mind
2: as a kid when I found out that like. The animorphs were written by a team of people, right. and it wasn't just like K. A. Applegate just <laughs> toiling away, pumping things out every week. I mean, based on the name, you gotta know
3: <laughs> K. A.
1: Applegate. Like that couldn't have been more made up. it tried the um the per- I'm half convinced that when you watch TV now, uh, if you I don't know if you for people that watch TV for people that don't know this TV is what people used to watch before streaming services existed. Uh, but okay. Um, if you watch regular TV, all of a sudden in the last couple of years, James Patterson is suddenly appearing <laughs> on TV commercials, promoting his books. And I'm convinced it's because nobody believed James Patterson was real because the son of a bitch writes like 10 books a year and they all <laughs> have to be terrible. I can't believe anyone is spending this much time producing quality material. How many Not pages to spend are more they? time on literature
2: uh, away from TIFOs, but <laughs> it's all I the found shame. out James Patterson was real when um it turned out he was next door neighbors with Jeffrey Epstein in Florida, huh and they made a, they made a documentary think, uh... on Netflix about uh about about Epstein that like James Patterson co-produced and it's like. I guess he didn't have to go
1: far for inspiration for his
3: books. <laughs> just sitting there with some binoculars and a camcorder in one hand. and
1: I feel like oh, if you spend any amount of time right, with next just sort of girls. Jeffrey Epstein, it's got to be like, you've, you're you now an accomplice if you haven't either moved or turned him in. Right. Yeah. Right. So anyway. Uh, um, yeah, back anyway. To t- back to Tifo's. So, um, so I'm always fascinated by this. All this time that you spent. And you talk about spending on design and tracing and everything. Um, this isn't your full-time job, is it? What, what do you? What exactly is it that you do for a living?
3: No, not, I get paid forty thousand a year. I'm waiting right. on the checks, but um, Any, yeah, no, just keep <laughs> checking the mail. <laughs> yeah, I'm a full-time commercial electrician, and uh, <laughs> no, it's it. it uh, I like being an electrician. Um, yeah, no, so it's yeah, go to work, come home tifo that's, um, that's incredible <laughs> that's, what, to that's me. what the one week was but <laughs> yeah no I, I went to school for a couple of years uh for graphic design um and did a bunch of stuff in high school with um after i realized that you know i i was allowed to take um well i, I was forced to take electives I, I think uh normally like people get you in that mindset of, oh you got to take all these classes for college like you, all the hard classes and blah 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 and don't, don't waste everything on the electives. And then your you know, school counselors like, yeah, you, you have to take electives to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then you, then you, you taste the forbidden fruit. And it's like, well, that's, that's, what, I just want to take electives now, um, and not take the ACT. You know, why would I do that? Right. Um, <laughs> which I didn't have to do because I went to art school, um, life hack, but, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, found digital art and, um, in high school which is super helpful because like i always want to get into like photoshop and stuff and then doing that stuff having like someone actually force you to work through the frustrating parts of the programs uh, was super helpful to help teach myself uh or keep learning on my own getting into college and then um uh i decided that i wanted to i thought that i wanted to do more like nonprofit stuff and Um, I also didn't like the idea of like I had friends graduating from art school that were talking about they had cots that they bought for work and were just sleeping at work. And I liked the idea of having a family one day and being able (laughs) to, you know, come home from work and uh, spend time with a spouse and or kids. Um, So, yeah, I just decided that that, I didn't I didn't want to go that crazy, but uh, it seemed like some of the small smaller design places uh they weren't put. they weren't like working with the kind of projects I, I i was more interested in so then after uh bouncing around a little bit um studying a little bit of theology and then um, <laughs> becoming an electrician um yeah now that now that's what i do and then I, I like doing this stuff as a it's a good outlet just for you know i mean sure there are expectations and deadlines and stuff but uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. I I love soccer. I've loved it since I first played in candy league in a Milford <laughs> Say program, and uh, yeah, no, it, it it's a lot of fun. It, it it creates a different problem because it's not. Uh, I feel like with like normal graphic design stuff, you you have you know different projects on a regular basis and like set uh, you know target markets and stuff. But that's not what this is, and it's more about just how how to have fun, how to help the how to help the fan base to have fun and uh, and to hopefully inspire other people to to also make some cool stuff. So um, it works out.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I you mentioned electrician, you union or non union? I gotta know. Uh,
3: um, non union yet, or yeah, not union yet. Uh, okay <laughs> one, one day one day <laughs> is
0: that is that the aspiration that you get a uh a sweet union gig or
3: i mean i wouldn't complain about you know having a, a pension and uh good benefits oh, those.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the prize Slightly 401k are... matching program needs to step up apparently
3: <laughs> yeah i don't know what they're thinking
0: Oh no. that,
3: that... they're only doing like 401k match up to like 0.03% so i gotta find <laughs> something new
1: now the post we only earned 60 cents an episode it turns out so there's no Ooh. no point investing that
0: yeah right <laughs> you're not gonna get rich here
1: you have stock
3: options
0: yeah we have, we have option options to buy stock with yes.
3: our own okay. money that <laughs> yeah. might be worth it then
0: we can give you some stocks as options for you to buy with your own money
3: well you have you pat on here can't you like Rope him into giving you stock in the Enquirer or something? don't say that word. <laughs> Pat? Enquirer?
1: <Rope>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well. yeah,
0: because let me tell you, if you want to make money, newspapers is the way to go. <laughs> traditional
1: media. That's where the money's at these days, everybody, It's traditional media.
0: <laughs> everybody knows that. Oh, my gosh. So... Okay, so we we have generally the process and we have generally how you arrived to this. Could you speak a little bit more about the design of this TIFO that we just saw, the um, strength through unity? I saw some people saying that that was a little 1984 V for Vendetta. Could you explain the slogan and maybe the style here?
3: Well, I don't know if people caught the uh, political undertones uh, in this tifo, but um, that was that was the goal. I was I was trying to. Um, <clears throat> well, no, I can't say that uh, in, in public. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, I mean, as, as I said before, it's. I mean, yeah, the the first one. I mean, <clears throat> the the city's awesome. People like to rip on it, and I I used to back in into like early high school and then i started spending like time like looking at stuff in the city and it's like goodness gracious like the like there's there's so much going on in the city and like there's so much to be proud of in like the history of the city there's a lot to not be proud of as well but there, there's still like a lot of a lot to be proud of of just some of the stuff that people are doing and, and the passion that you can see in uh in the arts and uh you got some stuff going on in the music uh scene and Uh, I mean, you have chefs coming from all over the country and writing love letters to Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, we just have so much going on. And so it's always nice to look at at the beginning of the season. Like, what do we want to celebrate? And uh, so for this one, um, I mean, for the... I'm still drawing a blank on the other tepot that we've done at the beginning of the season but it was bootsy um, Collins, oh, there's yeah, the the ill-fated
0: um, stranger things I don't know if you're around for that one yeah yeah yeah, was... yeah
3: um but so yeah with the with the one celebrating yeah. I mean yeah I mean you, you bootsy's obviously like I, I he's iconic you can't you can't not love bootsy I mean the funk is just it it makes you move <laughs> um and i mean yeah his role in that but, in the funk music was you can't you can't let that slide right um and then yeah like charlie harper he's such a unique style that so many people since have tried to copy but there's just like you can't you can't look at his work and not there's just like a amount of joy that just like it just uh comes from uh, who knows where um but when you look at his stuff it's it's uh it's calming and like slightly happy no matter what's going on in in the work just i mean the simplicity of it and um like just trying to like get in his mind of like how how someone like that is just processing uh what they're looking at it's just really interesting and then this year for tom wesselman uh uh, who's really interesting because, you know, people know the like two big names when it comes to the pop art movement, um, Lichtenstein or, you know, whatever I don't, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> the Warhol is the, the, the obvious one, you know, you see that Campbell's soup can in the anything. Yeah. And like yeah. that, that's all you think of. And then I had, uh, the museum, the art museum, not the contemporary one, the regular museum <laughs> for art. Uh, like they have the, the Pete Rose one in there. Uh, yeah. but, but like, uh, Tom Wesselman was like super important to the pop art movement, but a lot of people don't know that as much. Like th- they might recognize some of his work, but th- they don't know who he was and, uh, kind of what he wrestled with as, as he was like figuring out his style and responding to the rest of the pop art movement. Cause, uh, Like, you you do have the the very commercial stuff of the other two big names. And uh, when he was asked about the differences, like, they they noted that his work was much less commercial. Uh, And and we were kind of wondering if it was like a rebellion uh, of – you know, what, what these other people were doing. Mm-hmm. And he was just, just like, no, it's <laughs> 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 like when I, when I use commercial stuff, it's just cause I, I like, I like playing with the aesthetics of it. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with like any sort of commentary on it. Um, so we well,
2: yeah, being from Pittsburgh and Lichtenstein, uh, being an Ohio state grad, uh, leave it to the guy from cincinnati to be the to you know be the true artist to shun to shun commercialism
1: oh
3: yeah and it was <laughs> funny
1: it was funny until you mentioned and i saw the the tweets that went out from the inclines account about the inspiration i i didn't know that and i also didn't know until i did some basic research that i mean there's a mural of his work in downtown cincinnati a couple of blocks from where i where i work at downtown yeah. where it's got the Mural with the uh, the ring with the sapphire in it and the lipstick and the sunglasses. Yeah. I didn't realize what an iconic piece of art that was. That's yeah, on like, the side of the building. Was it?
3: Is it on the? Uh, who did they do the collaboration with? Uh, it wasn't Gucci. Who was it? Um, Dolce and Gabbana, maybe. Uh, let me look it up.
1: This is G4 Pim. It
2: was Family, like a a it was like a Coach. Chief Um, Chief Warpig famously works at uh, Averill Blah uh, Sausage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, a lot of my friends have gone through that that market. So (laughs)
3: Um, (laughs) live the gimmick, baby. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, coach. um, So, like, yeah, you got his work plastered all over these coach shirts and purses and jackets and, you know, whatever else. um but yeah it is super iconic and i think a lot of people myself included like when it was like uh, i don't remember when it was first painted on there but i remember like for a little while like why is there still life on a building like still lifes are like interesting for i mean you can you know look at like the evolution of plants and stuff in the still lifes um over however many hundreds of you like I know, they've been looking at like watermelons and their evolution because like based on still lifes which is like such a weird thing like <laughs> you know just yeah. like staring at paintings like oh yeah i guess the uh, watermelons are doing something <laughs> um <laughs> but um so, yeah so it seemed kind of weird to me at first that they would have just, you know a boring still life on a building but <clears throat> i mean his style does come through in that and um the way that he does build his compositions and, uh, and arrange the compositions based on how the, the items are interacting with each other aesthetically is really interesting. Um, but it, it's his other work that really interests me. Um, <clears throat> just the, the style that we, we did the TIFO in was, it's, it's very simple. It's abstracted. Um, but in that, the, the reduction of the form uh, while still capturing uh, the the movement and the and you can still f- feel like the the energy of, of the forms even though they they've been very simplified you know you don't have much in the way of detail like you know it just has like the mouths and then like gentle highlights or shadows or something.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, like, you don't have, like, the, you don't see the tension in the muscles, like, if, if someone were to be, I don't know, like, if you're thinking about, like, someone at the, the sort of a track meet, and, you know, they're all, like, poised, you can you can see the tension in in their body, but uh, I feel like he's the kind of person that would take that, would simplify it, so you don't see the way that the muscles are, are reacting to the uh, preparation, but you can still feel that without any of that detail so it's just really remarkable the way that he he was able to capture that but in addition to that so this is probably getting a little long-winded but um one of the other cool things about him was he he was the first use of the laser for artistic purposes which Hmm. um yeah it's just very very appropriate to cincinnati because it's you know (laughs) just another weird one-off kind of thing um just that's who we are um and he would first (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he would like use that to to do all these like hyper-realistic uh paintings but then like cut stuff out to play with uh the interaction of like positive and negative space not just in terms of positive and negative on a canvas but then like taking that 2d uh stuff into the three dimension third dimension um and then uh figuring out how to play with that and in, in a different way than other people had really experimented with. Hmm. Um, but yeah, really interesting work. Um, <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of, uh, nudity, but, uh, really interesting. Work. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I it's saw when I Googled you know. him, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, same thing. I was like, wow. Um, not worried about someone looking over my shoulder too closely. Like I was, you know, on the hub or something like that, but still something where I don't know that I need to be looking at this at work.
3: <laughs> Uh, it's art, you know, (laughs) so
2: so, something I think that Kevin, Kevin touched on, and I think we should make clear for people who don't know, because Kevin, you said people thought that the motto was out of like 1984. Yeah. Uh, What, what was the motto on the TIFO and why was that chosen for people that don't know?
3: Well, in, in preparation of one day going to the union, um just, <laughs> solidarity. <laughs> just kidding. Um no, the whole uh Juncta little deal that uh Cincinnati has. Um obviously no normal person speaks Latin unless they um were forced to go to Catholic school or um <laughs> Uh, are in law like some weirdos um, <laughs> that are on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. So, so,
2: so strength. So the strength, strength and unity is is the English translation of the of the city motto, which is on the.
3: It's whatever jersey. you want it to yeah. be, man. Right. I mean, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> now you're sounding like a theology professor here yeah no that's that uh, apparently that's what it means if it doesn't mean i would uh you can say so or just tell me after we're off of this um that i was wrong uh so you don't tell everyone else uh but yeah that's just it um we triumph as 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 they say um
0: well that's all there's
3: nothing else really to it it's cincinnati that's Cincinnati but we 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 speak uh, our city motto in uh in English on these tifos so people can understand I guess if,
0: How can more people get involved? What kind of people would be useful in this space? Well, and, obviously people that uh, speak
3: Latin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very one takeaway, <laughs> My <laughs> one takeaway um,
1: from this conversation is you well, must I speak guess, Latin. I, I need
3: someone to, to translate better than strength and unity. That's not super inspiring. Um, <laughs> need a little pizzazz. Yeah, no, I mean, we're always looking for more people that, would, that can, uh, that want to help out. Um, I think that's probably a key word want to, um, just cause yeah, I mean, we're passionate about soccer. We're passionate about, again, the passion about the city. Um, cause yeah, the city is awesome. I, I think what we have going on with our supporters is awesome. And, uh, that's something we want to keep celebrating. Um, and yeah, I, I think it'd be awesome if more people wanted to join in with that and, and, you know, get, get involved in however they can. I, obviously it can be a lot of time and, you know, people have lives, people have families, um, and jobs too sometimes. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like that, it, it, it can seem, I don't know, intimidating maybe, or even just the idea that like, uh, you're not getting paid for any of it. So, uh, I <laughs> can kind of kill some motivation there. Um, when you can get paid, um, for, doing work but yeah at the end of the day i I think what keeps me going is is that i want people to to know you know that we're awesome and you know see that in the things that we're putting out with uh and so just doing whatever i can to support and and like there's plenty of room for you know all all kinds of folks too Uh, and it doesn't even have to be digital stuff i i don't know if that might be something else that might be intimidating to, to some folks is that we do a lot of the work that we've done so far has been excuse me um using digital art because it's easy to translate to tracing and and simplification for painting but I, I think we're we're always looking for for more ways of doing things and uh ways of making things bigger, better, more interesting so if you or anyone that you know, people that are out there Uh, know people who are, you know, really into art um, or just really want an excuse to to mess around with things um, artistically, I would say we would take you at the pride. Uh, although I'm sure (laughs) other supporters groups would probably take you as well. Um, (laughs) probably. Yeah, no, really. I mean, at the end of the day, this is all for the supporters as a whole. So if you want to join someone else, that's fine. Just, just do it. Um, cause yeah, we we want as many people as we can to make things so we can really just keep elevating the, the work that we have been doing and the work that we want to do. I think, uh, from some of the things that the support groups have talked about, I think that we have some really cool things in the future. Um, and, um, I'm excited to think about, you know, other people joining in and, you know, bringing other influences and ideas in to, to keep us going further than I think that we think that we can. So, um, I think we would also, we're also accepting engineers. Um, Uh and, uh, Uh what else? Yeah. Well, what would an engineer and, and, and help computer you computer programmers? With. <clears throat> um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> no, fair uh, enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly if 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 any any people are out there that do uh uh engineering that w- maybe that work with fluid dynamics, um uh, we have some things in mind for that. Um, and uh manufacturing stuff for uh distributing air in inflatables. Um, <sighs>
0: Oh no, we we do have to run, Andrew, but I, I do wanna I, I do wanna leave you uh with this question because this is one I think I asked uh Max this many moons ago at the start of the uh the the postcast. So I'll ask you now, because this always blows my mind, how expensive is the average Tifo?
3: Well, when they start cutting me my checks, it'll get more expensive. <laughs> um <clears throat> Uh, I think for a minute there, they're running around four, two to four thousand. It just kind of depends on the size and uh, if you're really globbing the paint on there. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of two like, to yeah. four grand. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. God. In a lot of time. So. so. If you wanna, if you wanna, you know, spend a lot of time painting and uh, a lot of money on paint, um,
0: <laughs> you're more than welcome.
3: Because it's not your money, so yeah. Thank you, well, SGS, sort
0: of. for for contributing to the uh, to the tifo uh, cause there because they they look spectacular. And I agree. I think Cincinnati has some of the best stuff. And I don't think we get that done without you, man. So uh, no, I appreciate it really appreciate all the work you're doing i was happy to to have you on and try to give you a little bit of a platform i don't know what platform exists that we have but give you you're some place, 30 place to not, don't you? I, I we might have Johnson's cracked the 30 and barrier. <laughs> and um no i uh i just want to say i appreciate the work you're doing and thanks for coming on
3: Uh right, thank you
0: And we're back and again thank you to andrew for coming on he is a uh, he's a busy man with a proper nine to five putting in this extra work uh always appreciative of the work that anybody is doing for free and i say that knowing that we're not getting paid for this podcast but
1: but if you want to pay us dms are open um we accept all sponsorship opportunities. I just think it's wild. And if you want to sound smart and fun the next time a TIFO goes up and it's one of Springsteen's works, to be able to tell your seatmate a TQL guy that designed that, electrician, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is wild. <laughs> I
0: yeah, and his passion for local Cincinnati artists and wanting to highlight different styles, I think is super interesting. I mean, yeah, I had not heard of this artist until he uh, until he brought it up. And uh, yeah, if you throw that uh, that guy's name into to Google, what I just had it up, John Wasselman. Is that it? Tom uh, Wesselman, Tom Wesselman, Tom the, Wesselman, the,
2: the, the mural is at 811 Main Street downtown.
0: There you if go. If anybody
2: wants to go by and walk by but and But if see you it.
0: Google him, it's a lot of nudity.
1: <laughs> if, if you're right there, too, by the mural, um, one of my favorite greasy spoons downtown, Sophia's, is right there. Um, say hi to Pete. They make an incredible gyro salad. <laughs> oh, there you go.
0: Yeah. Well, here yeah, we're just going to touch on a couple of quick topics here uh, before we uh, before we let you go. Should point this out: uh, we tweeted out that Lucho's contract was nearing a uh, an extension. Here, we do not have an update on this. However, we have absolutely no reason to believe that he uh, uh, that that this has gone any different. So, I would expect that news to come out whenever the club likes to do this FCC has done this before they've signed deals and sat on the news for a month or more. Um, so I don't know when it'll be announced, but I, I feel positive about
1: this. So yeah, it makes too much. It makes too much sense. And when that, when that hit our, that hit the, our radar, it was like, yeah, because we just, yeah. we had literally just talked with Pat Brennan prior about this idea that they've got a decision to make with Lucho. And it just makes too much sense to get that done. It seems like he likes being here He's got his kids down on the field. He's uh, been given the captain's armband for a reason, and he's a dude where they can sign him to this deal and then sign him probably to another TAM deal at the end of it, and he can finish his career out here if that's what he really wants to do. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't see any –
2: trying to, you know, let Lucho go and replace him feels like a massive step back for a team that should be thinking that it's competing, you know, for, for the for the next few years, and right I don't see any reason why to give yourself the the chore
1: of finding another Lucho
2: right. when you don't need
1: to. Right. Your best case scenario if Lucho walks is finding Lucho again. And if that's the case, <laughs> right. then you may as well just pay the guy. Because it's not like he's on a TAM deal right now where you have to worry about, oh, how do we fit this under the salary budget? Whatever he wants, it's it's owner money. It's owner spend on that. And if they are as committed to winning a title as they say they are, and there's no reason to doubt them based on how they've handled their business so far. Pay Lucho, keep them happy, keep them here.
0: Yep. Uh, and then Grayson, you flagged this one up for us. Uh, I also read this as well. It's always an interesting article. I think this is their second year doing it, uh, but uh, what'd, you, what'd you find for us?
2: Yeah, so uh, uh, Paul Tenorio and Sam school at the Athletic, um, the national kind of mls you know writers you know for for the the athletic the new york times of the mls as it were um they they do this they do this annual column that's a anonymous survey of mls executives and then they report out their results and there's a few highlights that i wanted to bring to everybody's attention um nobody picked us to win mls cup or Supporters shield son of a gun um the best the the, the, the the best move for of the off season according to the uh, MLS executives was Atlanta hiring Garth Lagerway i thought that was funny <laughs> cuz it's like them you know giving themselves a big pat on the back like obviously the executive is the most important person <laughs> right, in the team right. not a player um, two other two other two other moves that that executives identified was Gareth Bale retiring and Gonzalo Higuaín retiring.
0: That's very funny. <laughs> like, what, a, what a Way to
2: sell your league. Uh, what, the most important things that have happened is people leaving. Yeah, what a, what a great move by Chris Henderson to get Gonzalo Higuaín to retire.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> just assume that is them going wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That was fraud. <laughs> that possibly. was salary cap very, fraud. Very, very possibly.
2: <laughs> um, they... Um, uh they they were asked um who the so there was a question of who is the most talented player in m l s nobody from our team um they the the players were uh, Driussi, vela uh puge yeah mukhtar insignia almada Reynoso and heel um
0: well, Reynoso may not actually be in Reynoso the league. Reynoso may not but... even be in the league right now.
2: <laughs> um, uh, we, we obviously don't have the best defender in MLS. So they're like, is Justin Glad better than Matt Miazga? Come on.
0: Is uh, Walker Zimmerman better than Matt Miazga? Good question. Aaron Long got two votes <laughs> I have there. I a book
1: that suggested he might be. And you could too if you leave us that review.
2: Um, we don't have anybody with the best midfielder, or best attacker in MLS we don't have anybody who's the most underrated player in mls although like um some of the names in the most underrated are also names in the best list and it's like <laughs> right all right um we do have um the number 1 best value contract in mls in brandon vasquez um that this was ha- nice to see yeah, yeah. so I know that MLS GMs do see all of the contracts, so they presumably saw Vasquez's new deal right. before
1: um before they before they made this vote. But also it's like if he is really someone that we think game one notwithstanding is a golden boot candidate and he's on a TAM deal, by definition, that puts it into the upper echelon of best value deals. Right, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I wonder. If a non-DP has ever won the Golden Boot, it would be fun to look back.
1: I'm sure. And I assume yeah. Wondolowski won it at some point yeah. when he wasn't a DP.
0: You can only go back to 2007 is when Beckham shows up. That's when the DP rule exists. So, of course, anything before that is obviously not going to matter. But yeah,
2: uh, um, was
0: was was Tati a DP?
2: Uh he was not on a big salary.
0: It's hard to tell with City Football Group. I think
2: he would have been a DP for anybody else. Fair. Um Noonan got a vote for best coach in MLS. He got he got two votes
1: for most underrated coach in MLS.
0: Interesting. How Um, is he still
1: underrated at this point? I mean, maybe last year he was underrated, but this year I feel like he is rated properly. Like I think the secret's out on Pat Noonan.
2: Un- underrated is like a weird thing because it has to be, you, it asks you to like look into the minds of other people. It's like, really? I really like
1: this guy, but other people
0: don't probably like him as much. don't
1: like him as much. I mean, the student section eight never chant underrated at somebody. That never happens. So um, <laughs> Albright got two votes for most underrated sporting executive in MLS. It's almost like a low key disrespect. It's like we made yeah. the playoffs last year. We have a hell of a roster and we're still underrating Chris Albright.
0: I mean, The roster didn't turn over that much. I mean, the smart, obvious decisions were made. I mean, Noonan and Albright should have been executive and coach of the year last year. You turn a three-time last place finish into a very good playoff team and one that nobody wanted to play and had an MVP. Like, come on. (laughs) like, (laughs) Sure. Sure. I'll take it. Uh, there was another quote in there that uh, that said, Philadelphia isn't even that good. Uh, they just kick the shit out of you, and it's really annoying. And then that same GM went on to pick them to win MLS Cup.
1: <laughs> That's so. such a galaxy brain take. They're not that good. They just kick the shit out of you. I love that. I mean we didn't lose this game. They just scored more goals than we did. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: that's the thing is Philly had like an astronomical goal difference last year. And they're gonna have another
1: fucking astronomical goal difference this year if the first game's anything to go by. Good lord. That is kind of the Philly hack, right? Like Which beating the shit out of people. Yeah, that's been going on in Philly since before MLS was a thing. Well, it's
2: it's you know it's In MLS, like, no team is going to be that good with the ball. Right. So it's not, like, worth your money to try to spend a bunch of money to put a team together that's really good with the ball. Just wait for the other team to screw up, get players who are good in transition and who are fast, and then just make them pay for it.
1: It's, it's yep. a quote Kevin had a long time ago before we were doing a podcast and it's stuck with me all these years. It's that in, in MLS, there is no way to avoid a player making league minimum, touching the ball at some point that there's, there's, there's <laughs> right. no way to get around. There's a dude who's making less money than like the union electrician that Springsteen <laughs> is aspiring to. There's a guy making less money. That's on the field who will eventually touch the ball in an MLS game. And you just wait for that guy to screw up. And then, right pounce on it and go the other way
0: oh no that, that's that's exactly it so they call, there you go a weekly uh, sport for a reason yes exactly uh and then finally to wrap us up because i do know we got to get out of here i gotta i gotta edit this thing and drop it on a uh on a thursday night um just like old times my night? Old whatever times
1: I mean, last week. Last we week.
0: Did this. <laughs> did exactly this thing. Uh, no, we need to keep our predictions rolling for the season. Uh, we did actually have somebody track it in the uh, in the Discord, so I don't have your name up and I feel really bad, so I'll look that up next time to give you a shout-out. Uh, but we are at Orlando City. I will tell you this. When we sat down with Jonah back in December, we called this as a 2-2 draw. Uh, Orlando will have c c l uh after our meeting um so Grayson where you where are you putting us
2: um so i I did something a little different with this Orlando game okay I, it's I've noticed a lot of other podcasts like to have fans of the opposing team um come on and talk about the team, not us yeah. and I don't want to do that no I don't care. so i asked <laughs> I asked uh chat Gpt to write a, <laughs> write a preview from an Orlando fan's perspective. Again. So if you'll indulge me, Please. Um, I'll read what, what AI wrote about this. As an, Orlando, as, an, as an Orlando City fan, this weekend's matchup against FC Cincinnati is a chance for our team to continue our strong start to the MLS season. We come into the game with a record of two wins and one draw, <laughs> and
1: our attacking play
2: has been particularly <laughs> impressive with six goals scored in those three
1: matches. Huh? They're the doing key... a lot of work for week one of the season. That's a... <laughs> Fixture congestion is real. The key player to watch for us in this game is
2: striker Nani, who has already <laughs> scored two goals this season and has been a constant threat to opposition defenses with his pace and skill on the ball. We will yeah. also be looking for strong performances from our midfielders, such as Mauricio Pereira and Junior Urso who have been instrumental in creating chances and controlling the tempo <laughs> of our game. Um, FC Cincinnati will provide a stern test and we'll need our back line, led by Antonio Carlos and Rodrigo, Rodrigo Schlegel, who I think that is actually their, their center backs. Okay, okay. <laughs> That was <one's> correct.
0: <laughs> so to I be don't alert think and any of the other players are on the, the team. Game. Uh, Pereira is. <laughs> Okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> uh, overall, we are confident in our ability to come away with a positive result from this game, and we hope to continue our early season momentum as we look to establish ourselves as one of the top teams in the MLS. Let's go, Orlando! <laughs> so after after hearing about that, I'm a little nervous about our chances. Uh, particularly, I think Nani can be very dangerous uh, if That's he plays. True. <laughs> if he's playing anywhere i don't even know if he's I mean, play, playing professionally anywhere uh, like playing so, golf somewhere
0: like <laughs> right
2: so i'm gonna go three two orlando Ooh,
0: you're you're expecting nani to add to his total gotcha yeah uh chief I mean, what do you got
1: I, for us i mean the alan iverson just told me they've played a lot of games so they've got to be a little down. um i'm gonna stick with my take two two uh this is a draw um and I feel like because you have to say this, we steal the draw with a late goal. That they're Ooh. up, they're leading two one, and we come back for the two two draw.
0: I feel like we also predicted that in December, but I don't remember. Um, Probably, I will give us two to one victory yet again. Orlando was actually really bad underlying numbers last week. Their offense barely produced anything. Uh, I think. I think. And trust Noonan to write this ship better than Orlando. It's a two-to-one victory.
1: We Good do, guys. We do need to figure out what the, what the punishment is for who comes in last here. Something needs to be done.
0: That person has to record the entire audiobook of Becky Zimmerman's book. And that'll be <laughs> an off-season episode. That person is reading the nine hours or whatever it is.
1: <laughs> oh, while we were taping, I do have an emergency. This is a true oh. emergency in the eleven. Oh please! Uh, apparently, KFC is bringing back the double down sandwich. Are you guys familiar with the double down? I'm oh, guess. I'm very
0: familiar. Okay,
1: all right. <laughs> yeah, this is a. And so, where's th- everybody who
2: listens to this? You don't have to explain yes. it. Okay. <laughs> everybody who's a fan of soccer in the United States knows what the double down is. They better That's be very much,
1: them. very much in the wheelhouse. What about if you put a buskin cookie between the two chicken patties?
0: Now we're talking. To bubble down.
1: <laughs> A bust down,
0: <laughs> bust down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, with that note, I think this does it for the Thursday oddball episode. So hopefully, we didn't get too much soccer in your uh, in your podcast feed on a Thursday. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the uh, the format this week. We're gonna try to keep it going. So thank you. Fuck the crew. Oh, yeah, man. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and The Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over. Uh, To them, we would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.